welcome adventurer to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Welcome, adventurers, to episode 122, a special side quest episode of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. This is just Patrick. And teacher Ryan is here as well. And Ryan, you're with me today because a monumental Euro game is about to hit Kickstarter. Galactic Cruise, that's what we're all about today. Yes, it is. And man, what is it is such a good one. But I'm sure we'll be talking about that all to all the adventurers today. Dude, I got to tell you what, I'm getting ready for the recording. And I was like, eh, I'm still getting over this cough. So I made some tea, made some hot tea. And I don't drink hot tea very often, but I uh, put the bag in the pot and uh, I, I ran it through the coffee maker. Sometimes I'll boil water on the stove. I didn't do that. I was like, well, I'll just run it through the coffee maker. I didn't remove the old coffee grinds from the top. <laughs> <laughs> so you made like a, a, a fused coffee tea combo? It was terrible. And there was honey <laughs> in it on top of it. Like I, I put in some honey and it was just awful. But oh, hopefully man. my voice is coming through uh, uh, nice and smooth and creamy like. So, you know, that's. Uh, oh, it is, it is definitely <laughs> better than when we last recorded. <laughs> Keeping busy over there? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, in fact, I just recently finished the last day of a convention. We had a small convention over here in the Jersey area. Um, had a good time, played with a bunch of people, hosted a lot of games, taught Blood Rage, taught Tales from the Red Dragon, and just all in all had a good time. How'd you do? Oh, Will got you hooked on this Tales of the Red Dragon Inn, didn't he? Oh, no. I've been interested a long time before Will talked about it. He just incentivized me to go get it. So, he yeah, pushed I definitely you got it. <laughs> oh, that's, I'm glad to hear it. You like it? Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, I went through two chapters out of the five so far, and I'm, I'm enjoying every bit of it. Fantastic. I've been keeping busy myself. I got in uh, Pest. The Kickstarter Pest is in. Oh, and yeah. I set that one up, learned it. Um, we're talking about, like, what are we going to play when we get to Knoxville, right? And Josh is all about, we need to do uh, We need to do some sort of one-shot RPG. And I'm like, okay. And everybody's like, yeah, we're in, except for Jason. Jason's like, never done it, no interest. <laughs> I'm just like, guys, we got to do an escape room. Jason, everybody goes, yeah, we're at it. Definitely. This is totally happening. Jason's like, never done it. No interest. We are dragging him to do both. I do not condone of this behavior, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in anticipation for it, we have Clash of Cultures that we got to get on the show. WizKids provided it to Scott, and I've had a copy for like two years. Shelf of shame stuff going on over here. So I got that set up now. I'm trying to figure that one out. And it actually, you know what? Going through the rule book, it's phenomenally written. So I'm pretty sure, unlike most games, it's not going to take me an epic amount of time to figure it out. Well, when you do, let me know. I've actually had my eye on that for a while, especially when the Monumental Edition came out. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was, I'm close to getting it, but I'm still not entirely sure. Um, so just let me know how it is. And, you know, I, I guess I'll base it on your uh, review. Well, here's the deal. Here's the plan is I'm learning it so that we can all play it together in Knoxville. Uh, it ah. plays two to four, and there's going to be five of us in the gang. So eventually, you know, like we're going to split off, do our own things, I'm sure. But we're going to need a, a table of four, and we'll get uh, Clash of Cultures played there, and we'll figure that one out. But you know what? That's not what we're here for today. Today, we're talking Notice. all about Galactic Cruise. Woo! Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Adventures. We had the chance to play this one with the designers on Tabletop Simulator ahead of time. Uh, prior to diving into some of the gameplay and some of the talk about it, Ryan, why don't you give us a walkthrough? Yeah, sure, not a problem.
Hello, adventurers. Uh, Pat and I are just about to talk about Galactic Cruise and speak with the designers themselves. But before we do, some of you might be wondering, what is this game? So I'm going to try and give you a high-level overview to explain it. In this game, you are a supervisor at the company known as Galactic Cruise. And this company strives on customer satisfaction for all their space travel and galactic vacation needs. Your job is to provide them with these needs by allowing them to book for travel with the company, build efficient space shuttles, and piloting them to get your vacationers there, and improving all aspects of the company to keep up with the increasing demands. Galactic Cruise has a lot of mechanics in it scattered throughout, but it's mostly a worker placement game, but not like a typical one where once a spot is taken, it's locked out of until the following round. No, you can go to any spot you want to on the board, but if someone else's piece is already there, you boop them out, and that booped player's pieces uh, get a bonus. Either way, when you place your meeple, you don't just get one action to choose, you get two, and each spot that you go to has two actions to pick between, so you can choose to do one of those actions twice or each of them once. But not only that, if there is a development gear between the worker placement spot that you're in and an adjacent one, that opens the option to choose between the two actions on that worker placement spot. Also, there's going to be one on the other side too, so you could have a situation where you get to choose between two options amongst six different actions. It's kind of crazy. There's a lot of things you can do in this game. You can get cards that have strong one-time abilities, get resources or money by manipulating the storage silo. You can send a travel agent to get customers to your cruise. You can gain blueprints for space shells and eventually build them. You can develop technologies that not only give you benefits, but also increase your research storage so that you can have longer cruises and more passengers. There's just a long list of things you can do in this game that all together come together in one coherent piece. All in all, though, you're doing all this preparation to launch a vacation shuttle that you built, adding passengers that you brought in, and they'll be traveling to these destinations on the flight plan tiles that you choose. The shuttle will continue along the flight plan, moving one step at a time at the beginning of each of your following turns, and then the passengers are dropped off at these vacation spots, depending on if it's a planet that has the type of vacation they want to go to, of which there are three. There's family, relaxing, and adventurous vacations. All these passengers are dropped off, and you'll get benefits from upgrade tokens. You'll score the passengers as well, which is a great way to get the points you want to win the game. Sometimes you may not have a place to put a worker on, and maybe you just don't want to, so you can take a recall action to pull your workers back and gain benefits for each one that you return, and then for your next turn, you'll have them all available again. Ultimately, though, the game continues turn after turn until the end is triggered, which is when the progress track has been filled with players' cubes. So... When you launch a shuttle, you'll be placing a cube onto this track, and there are three company goals every game. If you can accomplish a company goal, you'll add a cube to this track as well, and then there are three sections on the progress check. Whenever a section is filled, you'll get points based on a multiplier and how many cubes you have in that section. You'll do that until the third section is complete, where you'll do scoring again, but then also final scoring happens, and whoever has the most points is the winner. Now, I didn't go over a majority of the things that can happen in, ha in this game, but that's for you to discover by checking out their Kickstarter, which launches, get it? Because it's a space shuttle game? <clears throat> launches on March 4th. Now, let's get back to the episode, talk about this game a bit, and chat with the designers. On my supersonic rocket ship, nobody has to be him, nobody needs to be out of sight. So anytime I have the opportunity to use the supersonic rocket ship music, I'm going to use it. As soon as, as soon as we knew we were going to do Galactic Cruises, I was like, I could use that song again. 
<laughs> and it works. All right. Let's chat a little bit about this. Let's, why don't we do like the first half of kind of a breakdown? Here's the deal, Ryan. I don't want to go too deep into this because I, I know we're playing this one with the designers again in Knoxville. And King's going to have a chance to play it with us. And we're going to do probably the full 8-bit breakdown. We're going to do a whole episode. It's going to be the feature review in the near future. So for today, we just want to chat about it for the upcoming Kickstarter. Let's start here. Components. What you got? Oh, man, the components are really, really well done. Uh, if we talk about the art as well, I mean, you, they got Ian O'Toole in there. I mean, that's amazing in itself. But all of the components, I, I feel like they're big, chunky wooden pieces. I love it. Mm-hmm. You can easily tell the difference between uh, one thing and another on the board. Like, they're, it's very well laid out. Yeah, just the components are, are, are fantastically done. Screen printed meeples you've got to work with. The tiles are all clear. You know what? The artwork, we, we mentioned, you know, you know, Tool is the artist that they got on board for this. And the box has that rocket ship and it's like, oh, what am I getting into? Then you start tinkering around with the game and there's not a whole lot of art. There are tiles that represent the activities that you can do while you're in space. You'll move those tiles to your rocket ship. There's other tiles that you can put in the middle to extend the size of the rocket ship so that you can carry more passengers. But generally speaking, once you're in the game, there's not a whole lot of art. You know where having Eno Tool on board, though, still makes a big difference is the game is intuitive to play. Yes. I feel like a lot of that iconography, uh, right up front, this is a busy game. There's a lot going on in here. That box, we say it when we talk with the designers, it looks like it looks like a Lacerda, doesn't it? It does. It has the... Uh the giant Eagle Griffin games type of sized box that you would see in other Lacerda games. And yes, it is a very, very busy game. Uh, if you uh, heard the overview that I had, yeah, just there's so many things and I couldn't fit everything into it. And we're not going to do that until we talk about the review and the 8-bit breakdown. But yeah, there's just there was just way too much to talk about. But yes, you are right. You know, Tool does a really good job of separating them out so they're easy to find out what you're going to do because of how he sets up the board and the art on it. So I'm hearing that this game's got a lot going on, but it's easy to understand. But one thing that, you know, if I'm listening, I want to know, how long does this take? You know, some groups like like their games to take half hour, maybe an hour. Some like to get up to an hour and a half. Some folks just don't mind big, juicy, chunky games that go on forever. What are we looking at a time frame for this? If we're going two players and you've played it a couple times, thinking hour and a half, maybe, maybe even an hour you could trim it down to. That's about what I was thinking too. I was um th- the game is definitely player based when it comes to how long the game is. Some players like to play it slow and try to build the engine fully first like I was trying to do in our game and I didn't even actually like launch a rocket until quite a few turns in. Everyone else had already launched one and uh one of the designers who was playing with us actually launched two. By the time we got to the point where I started launching my one, everyone was like, oh, it's time to go. We got to go. And I was like, oh, but I didn't launch my rocket yet. Can I get around one more turn and I'll launch my rocket? I really um, wanted to cut off our playthrough before you could launch your rocket. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that would have been a jerk move. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, uh, the way that the game ends is definitely player-based doing the the goals, the company goals, and also like how many times you launch the rocket. So yeah, I could see this for... A person who wants to play the game in a completely different way, a lot of them do that. You can see this being a 45 to an hour per player. Or if you play this game enough and you just go straight for the strategy of like trying to get up the company goals ladder, um, yeah, you could probably do this in 30 to 45 minutes per player. That's my guess on this after only playing it twice. (laughs) Sounds about right, I would say. So four-player game, I'm going to guess 
two hours, maybe two and a half. If you go longer than that, someone's new at the table. You had to do a teach, things of that nature, but not a short game. No, not at all. How about replayability and variability? You know, this thing, as we're going to learn as we speak with the designers, they're looking at a little over $100 for the game. Uh, MSRP, I think they're talking 109 and they've got the, the deluxe upgraded version that the MSRP for like retail is going to be like 189 but you can get it on the Kickstarter for 120 That's still 120 yep. Now, they don't talk about it as we, uh, as we get into talking with the designers because they didn't have it yet, but I've since seen on Facebook, their shipping prices are ridiculously cheap. I don't know how they're pulling it off, but that massive box, just about anywhere in the continuous U.S., you're looking at like 20 bucks. California's like 15 bucks. I'm like, how are they pulling that one off? Canada's even cheaper. You know, you got me there. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of dumbfounded as that. I, I have nothing <laughs> to say as far as that's concerned. I didn't even know that the prices for the shipping would be that low. Yeah. Yeah, they pulled that off. But that said, it's not a cheap game. I want to know, am I going to be able to get back into this? Or am I going to be doing the same thing every time I play? What do you think about the replayability, the variability going on with Galactic Cruise? Well, uh, having only played it twice, <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, I, I want to get back into it. Like, it, it, because it's a game that's, that's more of a style that I kind of enjoy – I do want to keep on jumping into that game. It's it, it's like any other game that has like a lot of choices and a lot of decisions and a lot of variability in the changes. Like the variability for the game is quite substantial. All of the cards that come out come out at different times. All of the worker placement tiles go in in different spots. Not only is there that, there's also like different company goals. So that might change the entire course of how anyone plays the game. And so mm -hmm. like... I don't know. The two times I played it, I really enjoyed it. I really, I'm definitely looking forward to playing it in Knoxville. I'm definitely looking forward to owning a copy. I just, this is definitely a game that that speaks to me. What do you think? Yeah, I just got in the playthrough with uh, with you and the designer on TTS that we did not quite finish. Very much a first impression for me, which these side quests tend to be whenever looking at a game that's coming up on Kickstarter. It's a game that when I finish, I want to get back into it because I want to see what I can do differently. You know what I mean? Any t We've all put away a game, put it on the shelf, and you're looking at it when you pass the shelf thinking, that's coming back to the table soon. You know what I mean? You finish the playthrough and you're like, when can I play this again? It's got that going for it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the variability, with what get, uh, what, to, what, what, what travelers, what guests you're going to be hosting, uh, in which activities. And are you going to go with a small rocket multiple times? Are you going to fire this one big rocket up? Oh, can I get one rocket to do two full trips through space? That's really cool. It's the kind of thing that has me wanting to come back to it. Anytime a game goes back on the shelf and I want to get it back out, that's a good sign for me as far as replayability and variability goes. Time will no, tell them. It's that. still new to us. That is true. That is true. But again, when we were playing it, every single time that they were talking about how the rules work and how you can actually do this and this combos with this, I was like, ooh, ah, every single time they did that because I was like interested in how like it all worked together and then the puzzle started working up in my mind and I was just trying right. to grind my gears to try to figure it all out. Um, <laughs> that, that's, that's the kind of game that I enjoy and I always go back to those and so this is, this is very likely going to be replayed many, many times. I'll tell you what, why don't we take a break here? Let's chat yep. with the designers and then I'll meet you back in the studio when we're done. Ooh, are they here? Yes, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> On my supersonic rocket ship, nobody has to be helped, nobody needs to be out of sight. All right, Ryan, we got them. We captured we them. We did. They're here in studio. Adventurers, we got TK, Colton, and Dennis. Guys, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, All right, so here's here. the deal. 
We had the opportunity, Ryan and I did, to talk all about Galactic Cruise. Our first impressions, our first thoughts. I get the feeling, Ryan, this is probably one we're going to revisit, give it the real 8-bit breakdown sometime in the near future. What do you think? Oh, I definitely agree. Um, no spoilers yet, uh, but we're about to get into them. <laughs> All right, guys, so we're going to get the chance to meet you all in the flesh. I understand you're going to be at Funke Town Convention at the end of April, or at least TK and Colton. You guys are you guys are from Tennessee, right? Born and raised. And you showed the game off there last year, too, right? We did, yes. So I imagine there's been a lot of showing the game off. You guys are at every other convention. We saw you at PAX, for example, but before we get to that point, you guys are gamers at heart. Dennis, I see you nodding. How'd you cut your teeth on gaming? Where's this all coming from? Why are you a tabletop guy? Uh, yeah, so my, my story, like, I've been playing, I mean, just like most people, you know, I grew up playing board games, but of course not the kind of designer board games that we play today. Um, I'd even played some of them, some that would be considered designer board games before I got seriously into it. So I played Bonanza, uh, before I had no, I had no idea that, what, who Uwe Rosenberg was or... Uh, anything like that, and fa- I found out much later that I was like, oh, hey, I, that game that I used to like is actually one of my favorite designers. So I played games like that and, like, you know, enjoyed them. I played Robo Rally, but it never really got me into the hobby, as people say these days. The thing that, that really got me in was when I played a game called Android. Um, this was the Fantasy Flight. It's before Android Netrunner. It's, like, the game that created the Android universe. Um, I played that game with some friends. We just like bought it on a whim. A friend of mine bought it on a whim. We played it. It took like five hours to learn it. Um, <laughs> yep, I believe it. And and it was just like it just blew our minds because I had no idea that a board game could do any of that. And so from that point on, um, I think it was literally like the next week we each bought a different game, and then we just have been playing ever since. Essentially, like it for me personally, it took. And I would say my, my friend group, because um, we've been playing, like we've had maybe a couple of our people drop off a little bit, but I've, I've had the same kind of core four. It started out as more like six or eight people, um, but the core four of us have been playing for the past like 17 years. And so for us to, to really get into it like that, I think it took something that was really heavy. Like it's hard to say what I would weight that now. It'd be, it'd be at least a four. For, cause there's like a lot of different things going on in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it took something really heavy for me to, to get in. So I know a lot of people talk about gateway games and stuff like that, but I don't think, you know, I hadn't played the typical thing like uh, Catan. I had not played it until much later, but I, I don't think, because I had actually seen it around. I'd seen people play it, and it just did, never interested me, so I never tried it. No, you, um, got, you got Android to play. Why, what do you need <laughs> Catan for? You're playing Android. Yeah. Just yeah. jump straight into that heavy grind. You know, I, I was I, a Magic I, the Gathering guy, and I, if I saw someone playing a board game, I'd be like, well, I don't have time for that. I play Magic. Totally. Like, I think it, it took something really heavy to, to bring me in and to open my eyes to everything that's available. And I still play, like, lighter games and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. definitely, I, I, lean, I lean heavier, but I still enjoy all types of games, um, and there's some really solid, like, kind of gamer party games that, that I like a lot. Um, as well, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's what got me in. We used to play video games every Saturday, and then we like switched as soon as we played that. We like switched, and it opened up a whole new world for us. So, what was your go-to that, video game at that time? It was Halo Three and Rock Band. Oh, that's nice. what we played on Saturdays. What'd you play in Rock in, Band? Yes, please tell me. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, I I played a bit of everything, but like I was definitely the best at guitar um, of any of any of those. So usually. 
if I was playing, like I would be playing guitar, but nice. I like singing, I like drums a bit. Um, but uh, definitely guitar was my thing in, in rock band. Chance to toot our horn, Ryan. You've you've got a little uh, you've got a little <laughs> prestige in the rock band world or Guitar Hero. What, what's your deal? What do you got going on? Okay, in the game rock band, I am considered the number one bassist in the world for the game rock band. Really, I am. <laughs> That's cool. That's amazing. Now, did you just make I, yourself a shirt and you tell people this? Like, how how, how do we know that? Ah, uh, there's a there's a website for this whole thing. It's called Score Hero. Only the gameriest of gamers of rock band uh, use it. <laughs> so, but yeah. I I literally I know about Score Hero. I have not yeah. been on the but so it's back in Guitar Hero two days. Um, I was never good enough to get like top of the top, but I was pretty high in a couple songs that were easier for me to try to get the right patterns with. Um, I forget what they called it now, but like to get the most notes in uh, power activation. Yeah. Um, so like I was in the top ten or twenty or something like that for one song. I was never good enough to like be good at the the really hard songs. But um, well, if you ever take a gander over at Rock Band staff, uh, look for the name Mephisto Jack, and that would be me. That is awesome. I I love it. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's good to hear that like you have a lot of background in just games in general, and I even see your collection back there on your shelves. Yeah, uh, you can see there's some Rock Band drums up there. And- I see it. And the Guitar Hero World Tour drums. I do see that. There you go. Now, speaking of games (laughs) on the shelf, Colton, I'm seeing Wonderland's War prominently featured up there right behind you and about a hundred more games. What's your story? How'd you get into this mess? So, TK and I grew up together. So, like, growing up, we always played games. My family and I, we played a lot of Trouble growing up. That was our game. Loved a little Pop-O-Matic dice roller. Pop-O-Matic bubble, Um, baby. Yeah, I think every game with dice should have a Pop-O-Matic. Is there I mean, any chance we can incorporate a Pop-O-Matic bubble into Galactic Cruise? Look, that's an we can't do that expansion content, but <laughs> yeah, you know, not yet. It could be. <laughs> so I've always, I've always enjoyed games. I was never terribly good at video games. Like I love the idea of them, and I could even play some of the like uh, less like you have to be fast ones. Um, mm-hmm. But board games were always nice for that. So, I, I guess in college, we played Catan for the first time. Really enjoyed it. TK introduced me to it because he got introduced to it. So, we played that a ton throughout college. Then my wife and I got Carcassonne as a wedding gift and didn't play it for like a year or two. And then we were just hanging out at our house one day and we're like, someone got us a game for our wedding, I think. And uh, we got it out and played it and ended up playing it for several hours Went out of town that weekend and took it with us and played it in the hotel. Nice. We kind of did the same thing with Ticket to Ride because her brother and her sister-in-law really enjoyed Ticket to Ride. And she's like, hey, mm-hmm. we should play Ticket to Ride. So we got it. And that was kind of the story for a while. Is like, I enjoyed games just inside the gateway. Sure. And then COVID sure hit. And uh, we found ourselves stranded in the house. And TK texted me one day. He said, hey, we should design a board game again. Because way back when, you know, we had you know, dabbled around in, like, making board games for our friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we hadn't done it in a while. And I was like, yeah, I, I got nothing but time. Like, I was home from work because of the pandemic. My daughter pandemic? was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a board game. You might have heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oddly enough, I had not even played yet. So, I actually didn't play well, you've pandemic, never, you've never played pandemic until the pandemic. I hadn't until the pandemic when oh, we got into board okay. games. 
So anyway, so we, we were like, yeah, we, we should design a game. We've got plenty of time. So we, we started designing this little card game. We're like, well, we, if we're going to maybe do something with this, because our friends were like, hey, this is actually pretty good. You should do something with this. We all get on Facebook and, you know, just see what the board game hobby is like. And we very quickly fell into the deep end of it, discovered there are more than three games out there. Mm-hmm. And so pretty quickly, I the, the first, like, modern hobby game that I got was Viticulture. And TK got Terraforming Mars. And those were, like, our two games for a while. And as you can see, we got a few more than two games in the ensuing oh, my few Lord. years. TK's oh, well, got the Calyx shelving in it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right off the deep end, both of you. Yeah. Well, and what's great is since we live so close to each other, we try not to buy duplicates. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like we have each other's collection as well. Yeah, and I always keep my, my Cheshire Cat up here right behind me. I um, love it. It's not even my favorite game, but it's like my favorite game to look at when I'm looking at myself <laughs> on the yeah. camera. Um, yeah. Though I, it's easily like top 20 for me. Um, yeah, I really like that love one. love that game so much. Dennis was saying about like being captured by heavy things. Like if, if you straight up look at like my, like all the games I prefer, I skew a little lighter, definitely lighter than TK. I think Dennis and I, when TK's not around, we agree that like there's actually some pretty good light and medium games out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I play, I play a ton of solo as well. So I play a lot of more like medium weight games just because like setting up a heavy game just for me seems like sometimes I spend more time setting it up than I do playing it. And it's just for me. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think it took that next level to like really hook me in. Cause like I liked Catan, I liked Carcassonne, I liked Ticket to Ride. And even now I would say that like I love Ticket to Ride. I like it more now than when I was playing it having not played other games. Um, mm-hmm. and some of that's sentimental cause it's like my wife and I played so much of it in like those first, first few years we were married, especially when we were just stuck in the house together. We played a ton of Ticket to Ride, and now here here we are with the overflowing shelf and even more games in other directions besides Natural. behind me. So, Colton, it seems like you're more of an Omni-gamer, but just a second ago, TK just showed us his entire 5x5 Calyx full of things and things on the top. He must be like the mad scientist of gaming between you guys. So, TK, can you tell us what got you into this kind of uh, form of gaming? Sure. I was introduced to Catan on a vacation that I went on with a friend. We played it, and I was like, this is amazing. And so I came home. I didn't know where to buy it. There were I'd never been to a game store. like You couldn't buy it at Walmart or Barnes & Noble like you can now. So I ordered it online. I ordered it, Cities and Nights, Seafarers, and then the five- and six-player expansions. And you didn't just order weeks. a base copy. You got no. both expansions, the five- the six-player. You you're you like, all how in. can I drop $200 on this? <laughs> I went all in, like you're supposed to, you know, and got everything I could. And it showed up, and another one of our friends, Drew, he came over that night that I got it, and we stayed up all night and played it nine times in a row. Oh, uh, my goodness. And it was the most amazing gaming experience I'd ever had. Uh, and kind of like Dennis and Colton, like I, I didn't know that those kinds of things existed, like the real heavy strategy, less luck, um, than you know the Monopoly and things that I grew up playing. Mm-hmm. So that was that was awesome. So I played that for years, didn't know much else beyond that, like Colton said. And then he's the one that introduced me to Carcassonne. I remember it was the first game I played that had a meeple, and that was so interesting to me that there were these little <laughs> people that you could play with, and I was like, this is awesome. 
And then you got viticulture, and you could actually place them and take actions, and it just opened my eyes to worker placement, which is now my absolute favorite mechanic. And so uh, Terraforming Mars was kind of the first big purchase I made um, for a kind of a mo- modern hobby game. And then I fell into the watch every video Rodney Smith had ever put out for Watch It Played. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just learn about every game I could, and uh, just fell in love with not only playing games, designing them, and the hobby, and the people in the community that we met. And so it's just been a just an awesome journey. So somewhere along the line, the switch was flipped, and you guys said, you know what, uh, no, Colton, you started to attest to it, that you, guys, that you and TK were putting a little game together, and someone said, yeah, you guys should check this out a little bit further. You got something here. It sounds like that was the inception, perhaps, of Galactic Cruise. How did this come about? More importantly, how did you get this guy from Canada on board? Yeah, so that that game that Colton mentioned was actually a small kind of hand management game that we put on Kickstarter, I guess in 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. It was about delivery drops, delivering things, because that's kind of what was happening in the world. And so we designed a game around that, and just kind of like a resource pick-up and deliver type thing. And that was like our first taste of publishing, because we had mm-hmm. made games before. And so we made it, just told our friends about it. We put the game up on Kickstarter, had like 100 backers fell in love with the process. And so that was kind of our first taste of publishing. And so we decided at that point to kind of pursue it as a potential career. Mm-hmm. And so we got, you know, a dozen or so more games up on TTS, finally kind of landed on Galactic Cruise as, as one that we felt like was worth pursuing. And so that's what we've been, you know, mainly focused on for the last almost three years at this point. Dennis, how did you come into the picture? Well, it all started back in 2019. I thought you were going <laughs> to... I thought I was sure you were going to say, well, it started in 1982. I was born in. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like, like, like I mentioned before, I've been playing games solidly for years and have, have a solid game group that plays every week. But I didn't get into game design until more recently. I think it was 2019 that I made my first prototype of uh, a game. I was just doing it for fun. I wasn't trying to like break into the industry or anything. Before I even made anything, I had gone to a couple protospiels in uh, Minneapolis. So I just mm-hmm. went as a playtester. I didn't, I didn't bring anything. My brother at the time was working on a game, and so I just went with him just to kind of support him and check things out. Um, and so I got introduced to, you know, I just played random people's games. And, and so I, I made a game and brought it and got good reception to it. And one of the publishers there was telling me that uh, I should pitch the game. Um, like it wasn't their type of game, but they, I should pitch it because it was good. So I was like, "Oh, I didn't even know what that meant." Like, you know, I knew the definition of the word, but like, I didn't didn't know. I uh, wasn't familiar with the industry besides just buying hundreds of games. Yeah, um, yeah. How do you go about doing it? What do you mean pitched? What do I just go like, on their website and click contact us? What, what do I do? Yeah, like how does that whole thing work? So I I looked up some information, found some different resources and stuff, and the thing that I found was Proto ATL. It's like, I should go to ProtoATL. This is a convention similar to the protospiels that I'd been to already, but this was specifically focused around meeting publishers and pitching to publishers. So it was like, publishers are there looking to be pitched to. Um, another thing that enticed me was they had educational sessions. So there was like, you could go to a session and learn about pitching and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'm going to bring the games that I've been working on. Um, I'm going to go to this thing. I'm going to learn about pitching. I'm going to do that. I started working on the game in 2019, and this was 2020. And so it was supposed to happen in, I think it was like April of 2020, uh, but we all know what happened. So that, that got pushed back a couple years. So I went to ProtoATL in 2022, and that's where TK was. 
Um, so Colton, his wife had just had a baby, so he was going to be there, but he, he wasn't there in person. Um, but I met him through TK online and stuff a little bit, a little bit after that. But I brought three different games, so I had enough to, I, because of, because of the two year delay, I made some other games. So I, I, I brought three games with me to Proto ATL and, and had a great time there. And one of the things that was, that was great was when I met TK and played Galactic Cruise, it was literally the second thing. So I, I was there, I was, there was only like three people there when it first opened at 10 a.m. or whatever it was. And I played a, sh- a, sh- a little card game, and then someone was like, oh, hey, uh, you should go play TK's game. He's got a good one. And I'm like, okay. So I went over there. It was a earlier version of Galactic Cruise, and I really enjoyed it. And then TK and I just like hit it off, and we kind of hung out the whole rest of the convention. Like We went out for every meal and stuff like that. And so, yeah, we just had a good connection. I liked the game, and it kind of progressed from there online, where TK was like, we've got a good community setup of like up-and-coming game designers. So you can meet other designers to play your games with, play their games, and so on, and, and do stuff online TTS. Um, at, before that, like I actually had TTS. We, uh, some of my friends, like we had played some stuff remotely, but we always preferred playing in person. So all my play testing and game design was always in person before that. Um, even though I was familiar with TTS already, a great, great connection being able to do it online like that. So I, obviously, still board games that are meant to be played in person, but it's been like a really great tool to connect and, and play with other people. And so it just kind of grew from there that I, I played Galactic Cruise a whole lot. I just really enjoyed um, sticking around after sessions and just like talking game design and fixing problems or coming up with solutions for stuff in Galactic Cruise, even though I wasn't like a, an official person on the team, I was just friends with them. Uh, but over time, it just kind of grew until it, it made sense to actually become a partnership and, and like officially, you know, legally start a company together and all that. It, it was a, a long process, but it started at ProtoATL. Now, it sounds like this game at that point was in its infancy, but between the three of you and through online community, uh, through online playtesting and whatnot, you were able to get this game into what it is today. I got to say, guys, you go to like a ton of conventions. I follow the Facebook page, so I see it seems like every other week you're like, hey, we're in Atlanta. Hey, we're in San Francisco. You're going to be in Tennessee. All over the place at the convention, showing it off. You got, you know, tool on board for the artwork. There's been a lot of things that have happened to get this game to where it is ready to launch right around the time this episode goes live. That development process got to be a bit of work. Oh, yeah. I would say that we we work a combined 50, 60 hours on top of, like, what we actually do. Like okay. our, like, real jobs. Like, to pay uh, the bills. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a lot of work, and it's also a lot of, like, travel and hustle. And we've actually really been fortunate to have several people who say, hey, are you going to be at this such convention? And we'll say, no, we can't make it. And they say, well, if you can get me a copy of Galactic Cruise, I'm going. So that's how we were able to get the game to um, BGGCon. We were fortunate enough to have the game at Essen. Um, oh, wow. With our uh, partners at Dronda Games in the UK. Uh, they took took a copy. You had a, I'm assuming you had a copy to Jeremy from Man vs. Meeple because he had a copy yes. of it at Level Up Convention this past uh, couple weeks ago. Uh, and I was happy to say that I got to see it and I got to mess with it a little bit. I didn't get to play a full <laughs> nice. game. That's going to happen in Knoxville, but I did see it and I was so excited. I, I really wanted to play it at that point in time. But uh, but Jeremy was running his games and uh, a couple of people were running it. So I never got a chance to play it there. But man, I can't wait to get a physical copy of this. That's awesome. Well, I already dropped the name Ian O'Toole. How'd you manage that? Did you just reach out to him, send him an email? 
send them a whole bunch of money and artwork comes back? That's exactly how it works. Yeah, we've That's never definitely steps. That's like step two, four, and five. TK, right to the point. He's like, that's exactly what you do. <laughs> you just send him an unsolicited bag of cash. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll take it. Make me Make artwork. No, it, it's, it's actually an interesting way that it happened. Because um, we had reached out to him early on in the process. Because like, when, we, when we started the game, we were like, man, this feels like a Lacerda. We think Ian could do an incredible job with the art because it's kind of in the same same vein of like complexity, and we need mm-hmm. a really good iconography. He's great with his like user interfaces, and so we thought he would be a great fit. And so we reached out to him, didn't hear back from him, and so we're like, okay, well, we've got to figure out another way to do it. And so early on in the process of, of kind of our, our game journey, maybe back in 2021, I reached out to Shim Phillips because he not only is a great game designer, but he, he's also kind of has a music background and, and plays uh, music at his church, which is my background. And so I reached out to him and I was like, hey, I would love to connect with you uh, and talk about, you know, music, games, you know, just pick your brain about the process. And so he was, you know, very eager to just set up like a, a video chat. So we, we talked for a while, became good friends with him and SJ McDonald. And along the process of Galactic Cruise, they've played it quite a bit, given a lot of great feedback. Um, he's become just a, a really great friend and very helpful. And at one point, we had just mentioned in passing that we would, you know, love to have Ian do the artwork. And he was like, oh, I know Ian. I can email Ian for you. And we we're like, that would be amazing. And so he sent in an email. Ian replied. and was like, yeah, I'd love to check it out. And so we set up a meeting with Ian and Shim. It was really funny because right before Ian joined the meeting, Shim was on the call with us. We were just chatting. And Shim was like, I'm nervous because Ian is a big deal. And I was like, Shim, you're a big deal. What are, what are, what are you <laughs> <Exactly>. talking about? <laughs> Um, uh, but it, it, was, it was great. But yeah, so Shim connected us to Ian. Ian looked at the game, said he was it was a theme he would be interested in. And so, um, I, I don't know, maybe six months after our first meeting, played the game, really said he would you know, like to do it. And I think it was another six or eight months before he could even actually start on it. So from our first meeting, it was like a year and a half of kind of waiting to get into his schedule because he was so booked out. Um, but for us, it was definitely worth worth the wait. So, you came together through conventions, online, to get a game together. You managed to get the great Ian O'Toole to do the artwork. It sounds like uh, it's all coming together, and it's it's going to come out really, really soon. So, I think what we need to know now is anything that you'd like to tell us about the Kickstarter that's coming out pretty soon after this episode airs. Is there a, a, some kind of, like, tiers that there's going on? Or is there any kind of, like, stretch goals? What exactly is going on with this Kickstarter? You tell us all the details that you'd like to give. I'd love to hear it. Don't all of you speak at once. Oh, I thought you were going to do it, Dennis. I thought you were going to do it. I was going to do it? Oh, and I, I mean, I can do it. All right, all right. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Five <laughs> bucks gets you a copy of Galactic Cruise. Five bucks if you're in the first three weeks of pledges. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, if you're a retailer. <laughs> and even then, it's a down payment. Yes, our Kickstarter launches on March 4th. And so I think we're going to do 10 a.m. Eastern, if you want to hit it right when it launches. We are going to have some different tiers. The game is is finished gameplay-wise. Uh, we're still waiting on a few assets as far as like graphic design, art. Most of it should be done by the time the Kickstarter launches. If not, during the Kickstarter campaign, it should be finished. Because our goal is to print it as soon as we finish the campaign. And so you mentioned stretch goals. Uh, that's something we're going to do a little different. So we're not actually doing any 
kind of normal stretch goals where we would add any content or art or anything like that because we don't want to add anything that would require more playtesting after the fact or it would be under playtested or we didn't want to add anything that would you know require just a different illustrations that would take extra time. And so our, our, our thing with stretch goals is we still wanted to offer something that, you know, as the campaign grew, the backers were able to kind of, you know, reap those rewards as well, not just that the campaign would, you know, be bigger for us, but we wanted it to also be better for the backers. And mm-hmm. so what we're doing is we're doing subsidized shipping. And so the more we make on the Kickstarter campaign, the cheaper the shipping is going to get. Uh, nice. And so we'll have that laid out. Uh, we're going to start with some subsidized shipping, so we are going to subsidize it a little bit when it starts. And then on certain intervals that we'll release after the Kickstarter launches, uh, it will continue to reduce. So as it grows, you'll be paying less, hopefully a very reasonable or even very cheap shipping cost. Um, so that's kind of our, our plan for stretch goals. Mm-hmm. As far as Kickstarter exclusives, we are doing a price. So we're not offering like an early bird or something that you can only get in Kickstarter because we want to be inclusive to everyone, even if they show up later or want to get the game after the Kickstarter. Um, so there's just going to be one version that you can always get, um, but the exclusive is going to be price. And so we just released this maybe a week or two ago, um, but the base level pledge, uh, MSRP for the game is going to be around 109 uh, but the mm-hmm. Kickstarter is going to be 89 and so we're going to discount it quite a bit. And then we've got two expansions uh, that we're doing and upgraded bits, like our money and advertising tokens are going to be uh, a better material than like your punch board. And so uh, the pricing for that, I think MSRP for like all in is 189 but we're doing 129 on the Kickstarter if you want to get all in. Well, there so you we've go. Tried to, we've tried to keep the pricing, you know, very reasonable, especially for the complexity of the game and the quality of components and, and production that you're going to get. Uh, and so that's going to be kind of our, our pricing breakdown. We've also got like a few bigger pledges that you can get an immediate prototype of the game uh, as soon as the Kickstarter ends. Like we've got. Oh, uh, you can give out one of the. Pr- I saw the stack of them in one of your Facebook posts. Yes. There's, mm-hmm. They're in the nice spiral, and I was like, "How do we get our hands on one of those?" That, that's how you get back one of <laughs> that's those. That's how. Nice. Yep. Yeah, because we, we've sent them out to reviewers. I mean, content mm-hmm. creators. And so uh, when we get those back, we're, we're doing a little less as far as pledge tiers versus how many copies we have just in case some get lost or something. Um, so we should have plenty of those for that. And then we've got one pledge tier that is every future game that we put out. So every expansion, every base game that we release. Uh, we haven't decided yet if that's going to be just through Kickstarter or just like outside of Kickstarter as well. We'll have that information on the page. Mm-hmm. But basically it's every game that we release in the future for free. So if you want to invest a little bit right now, you can get all those games. That's something we took from Chip Theory Games. Uh, they do that in their yeah, campaigns. That's been their started, thing. That, and that always started, sells out instantly. Yeah. We, we just think it's such a great concept, right? Because, like, uh, from on our end, right, we're paying the, the landed cost for the game, right? And so, like, it's not a huge expense on our end to, to you know, give out these copies to, to everybody. Uh, but for the, the backer, like, that can be a huge amount of savings over the course of, you know, the years that they get games from us. And so, uh, we just yeah, like but what if you guys don't put out another game? That's, see, that's the risk, right? There's always a risk. <laughs> but but usually what I tell people, it's like, you know, if you look at our community, look what we've been doing for the last three years, you know, hopefully we've shown that we're, you know, we're consistent. We want to make great stuff, that we work hard. But, of course, like anything else, it is going to be a risk. Uh, but we think it's one worth taking. Absolutely worth taking because I think you guys have to know, deep down in your gut, when you hit that launch button, you're going to have those butterflies like, what if this doesn't fun? What if this doesn't work? Totally. But you kind of know, don't you? Like, I do this a lot, you know, talking with with designers of games and whatnot, and you can kind of tell when something's uh, getting to the tipping point and it's about to boil over. You got to hit. And, I mean, you said it. It looks like a Lassard. It looks deluxe. The game plays beautifully. You know you've got something here. You've heard it from Shem Phillips. Ian O'Toole, sign on for your artwork. I mean, 
I don't have to wish you, I say this a lot, and I, and I mean it when I say it. I don't have to wish you guys luck. You're going to crush it, I think. I will have to say, this is now my number one anticipated game. I think it's going to be my favorite game of the year of its release. This is definitely a me kind of game. TK, when you were playing with us on Tabletop Simulator, I think I said that out loud. I said, this is definitely a me kind of game through and through. And I wish you guys the best of luck on the Kickstarter. And like Pat said, I don't think you actually need it. I think it's going to be an absolute hit. Thanks. Yeah, yeah that's thanks. awesome. awesome. Thanks. Thank yeah, we, like we're removing as much risk as we can. There's obviously always going to be risk. We can't get rid of all of it, but you know we're we're trying to check all the boxes to remove as, as much as we can. Right? You know, making the game great, having great art, working with great fulfillment partners in manufacturing. You know, doing our ad spend right, um, going to the conventions, meeting with people, building a community, being active. And so, you know, while you can never get rid of all the risk, we're, we're definitely trying to make sure we take our our, our time and do everything as, as as good as we possibly can. You, you forgot about announcing the Popomatic expansion. Live yes, that'll, that'll do it. Of course, that's the well, that's, a, that's a level up first. You heard it first here. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we're going to give you a chance to plug where where the adventurers can go to find out more, get the Facebook page in there, and say all that crap. But first, I want to give you a chance to level up. Publishers come on level up; they get their chance to level up. Here's what we're going to do. Normally, I do this as a lightning round, and I hit you with eight quick questions, right? But since there's three of you, we're going to play a little cooperative game. All right? You guys ever design a co-op? Yeah, all right, play a little co-op. I know, I Dennis, you said you've never mm-hmm. done Pandemic. Okay. All right. This no, is no, going to no. be a... Oh, no, I that was, was Colton. Yeah, uh, and I thought he was saying that, and I was like, is this the first time I'm hearing that he's never played Pandemic before? No, he said he hadn't played it until the Pandemic. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting my things right. backwards. So here, here's what we're going to do, gentlemen. I'm going to hit you with, I got 15 on the board, all right? And Ryan, I want you to set the stopwatch. You got the watch for me? I do. We're going to go two minutes, and I want to see if you guys can answer all of these in two minutes. Just say it out loud when you know. Now, here's how the game works. I'm going to pretend like I'm playing. I'm going to say something that I might say when I play a game. For example, if I say eight ball corner pocket, what game am I playing? Pool. Pool. Exactly. We're going to do that. And the, the answers are all board games. Ryan, say when. All right. I got the timer right here. You got two minutes. Good luck, everyone. And three, two, one. Let's go. I'll pay a wheat and a vertebrate to play my bush tit. Wingspan. Boom. Jolnar just took Mechatol Rex. Polania just got their fourth mech. Side. I don't mind if my guys die, because I'm playing the Loki strategy. Blood Rage. Oh, I love it. I'll send Reginald Hopkins and Miss Agnes Dansby to the croquet lawn for 200 pounds. Obsession. Supporting the Habitat Diversity Project just scored me five conservation points. Arnova. Three copper and a silver. I'll buy a duchy. Dominion. A Dominion. King me. Checkers. Checkers. You guys are too good. We got to shave like 30 seconds off the clock. I got a thief on the road and a farmer in the field. Now, where do I put this tile? Carcassonne. Carcassonne. I'm going to go ahead and lightning bolt that Savannah lion. I'm going to go ahead and lightning bolt that Savannah lion. Oh, I think I got him, Ryan. That's magic. That is magic. Okay. I'll trade two sheep for one wood. Anybody? Two sheep for one wood. Good time. I'll use two green and a locomotive to connect Little Rock to New Orleans. Take it ride. 
I'll place this four pip die to engage Brinks. I just can't say that out loud. This is a tricky one. I'll place this four pip die to engage my plane Brinks. I just can't say Sky- it out loud. Sky team? It is yes! Sky- yeah. My race is going into decline. Give me them Dragon Master skeletons. Small world. The best thing about this game is the Broad Sword. <laughs> Hero quest. 15 out of 15. Guys, I'm impressed. Well done. That's the best lightning round I've ever heard. I'm, wow, I'm floored. So I'm going to give it right back to you. Tell us, where can adventures go to find out more about the game? Obviously, we've got the Kickstarter launching on March 4th. So get your tails over there March 4th. Look up Kinsey Games. Look up Galactic Cruise. But what if I'm jonesing for it right now and I want to learn more? Where do I go? KinseyKeyGames.com. We'll take you to our landing page. If you enter your email, you get links to our Facebook, our Discord. And, of course, Galactic Cruise is also up on BGG. We've got a lot of forums, and Colton is very active on Instagram as well, which I think is just at Kensington Games. Mm-hmm. And, of course, check the show notes. Guys, thank you so much. I really do appreciate definitely. it. And I look forward it to hanging out with you in Tennessee. you got to show us where the good whiskey's at. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. On my supersonic rocket ship, nobody has to be helped. Nobody needs to be out of sight. Dude, 15 out of 15 on the lighting route. That was impressive. <laughs> yes, it was. It really was. <laughs> I can't believe they got Hero Quest. The best thing about this game is the Broad Sode. Took them no time flat. Unbelievable. I mean, you could tell based on what they were talking about and all those games that you saw on those shelves, those guys were gamers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can tell it served them well in the creation of Galactic Cruise. Ryan, I want to kind of wrap things up with who's this game going to be for, right? We, okay. You and I chatted a little bit about it. We hear from the designers. Obviously, we think it's fun. We wouldn't be doing this side quest if we didn't really love this game. This, I mean, if you're on Facebook in the board game groups, you're seeing pictures of the cover of this game. People are posting all about it. It's going to be a hit Kickstarter. I wouldn't be surprised to see this thing. Oh, geez. I was going to say skyrocket. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) This thing is going to launch and it's that the sky is the limit, right? All the puns. It's going to be a big hit. It's going to be a mega success. Why? What makes this game so fun? Why are we loving this one? I don't think it's just because it's fun. Like, these guys did an amazing job for their first game that they made at advertising it, showing it off at the different cons. Even, I didn't know anything about this game until I saw the box cover at Origins of last Mm -hmm. year. And I looked at it and I was like, that looks amazing. That looks like a great game. But they weren't necessarily advertising it. They were just playtesting it at Origins. And I looked at the board and I even... I, I'm assuming I saw the designers because um, there were four people playing it, and I was hooked. I, I wanted to know anything that I could about this game, but uh, after Origins, I never got a chance to until I saw that all the advertisements about it going on Kickstarter. I looked into it, and then you guys said that you managed to get in touch with the designers, and I was just I was thrilled to learn more about this game. And so when we got to play test it, man, yes, this game was incredibly fun. It's definitely, as I said before, when we were talking to them, it's definitely a me kind of game. It's a Ryan mm-hmm. kind of game. I like doing those puzzly kind of Euros, point salad Euros, different ways to do things. This game is fun for anybody who likes any kind of games like that. That is my testament to that. And I think that they did a really good job of collaborating with each other. And I think that's why they're going to be a success. You know, we were initially set up to play this one at PAX, so I <laughs> peek behind the curtain, Ryan. I'm really good at setting up all kinds of meetings and playthroughs and things to do when we go to these conventions. And I'm also really good at, while I'm there, being like, 
yeah, I just don't feel like doing this right now. Or, oh, crap, I double booked. Or, oh, geez, I don't know the time. Or, I'm in the wrong place, right? So, I'm, I touched base with TK. And we didn't actually set up for a playthrough. But I did uh, I did say, you know, hey, we want to meet up with you guys and just check the game out. So, I did rub elbows with them there. And they said, it's on TTS. And they said, you know, we're going to be at this little convention called Funke Town. And I was like, ah, we're going to be there, too. Yes, so we are. that's sort of where we came up with the idea of, okay, let's hold off. You're at PAX. Why don't you play this with people that are only going to get the chance to see it here? We'll play it with you online. We don't need the copy in the mail or anything. And then we'll play it with you. We'll sit down. We'll all play. We'll have a good – we'll play together. We'll sit down. Uh-huh. It I, I want a copy in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. We don't need a review yeah, copy yeah. to tinker around with and whatnot. And quite frankly, playing on TTS is the best because then you have someone that knows how to play the game teach you how to play the game. You don't have to sit there with an instruction manual. I've said in the past, Vitalis Serta games, like, Ryan, you taught me on Mars. That was, and I think it was last episode, actually, it was Scott and I chatting, uh, the World Wonders episode, we were chatting about games, and I think I, I said something along the lines of, on Mars was just a bit more complexity than I can handle in my games. You know what I mean? It, I mean- it was across it the line from fun to work. Just barely. Still fun. Still interesting. But also too many moving parts for my brain to comprehend to enjoy. Like I could, I could function, I could figure the game out, but I wasn't having fun with it because I was spending too much time trying to figure out, okay, wait a minute. If I, if I want to do this, I have to do this. Whoo! Galactic Cruise doesn't do that. It has the look and the feel of a, of a, of a Lacerda game, but it's more intuitive, right? There aren't as many restrictions. There aren't. There are basically no nuanced rules. Like, oh, don't forget, if you want to do this, the atmosphere has to be a .02. No, no, no. Everything you want to do is laid out in front of you. I thought this game was remarkably intuitive. It's on the safe side of, yes, it's complex. But you know what? I can have fun with it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bogged down by the rules of the game while I'm playing. To me, that's what makes this a Pat-style Euro. If I'm playing a Euro game, this is the kind of game that I love. No, I totally agree with you. Uh, I also overheard that nice little jab at another space-themed game there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. On Mars is well loved. It, it can handle a jab. It's in the top 100. You know, I, yes, I'm not. Uh, I'm not taking. I'm. I'm not convincing anyone that loves it that they shouldn't love it. It is a right, fine right. game. It's just not quite for me. But back to the space game at hand. Yes, uh, I totally agree. Um, there are a lot of nuanced rules in some Lacerda games, and a lot of people like them. I, I enjoy them too. Mm-hmm. Um, however, this is one of those games that doesn't punish you or make you go back to the beginning of your round because you are missing one thing that you needed in order to complete something. You forgot uh, that thing, like I- and then Dikembe Mutombo shows up, and he goes, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so like um for example I'll, I'll throw the gallerist as an example uh in the gallerist you need to go to a, a location to do a thing and then in order to do that you need to spend some resources and in order to do that your cubes need to be in a specific location and in order to do that you know there's just a line of things that you have to make sure and check before you actually do a move and if you've missed one then you have to just start over and like do another move this game doesn't have anything of like that. The only thing you have to do is make up for it when you spend a shuttle. The only thing I noticed is if you send someone out to the shuttle, you just need to make sure that you have the right people on board. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the only thing you need to pay attention to. If you don't, you can still do that, but you'll, you'll just still be benefit. penalized. Yeah, you still get benefits, but you also still get penalized if you don't have all of the resources that you need or everything that you need, like advertisements in order to complete that, that journey or that mm-hmm. vacation. But it doesn't stop you from being able to do that move it doesn't say no you're not allowed to do this move it says 
You just need to kind of make up for it or fix it or just think a little bit ahead of time. And that is essentially what I'm looking for. This, I, I think that that kind of forward thinking in like Lacerda games isn't here. It's one of those things where you can react to it if you made a mistake. So it sounds like between you and me, this game's getting a very high recommendation from Level Up. I feel like we're all going to have a copy. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adventures, you too can snag a copy. This goes live on March 4th. Galactic Cruise, get on over to Kickstarter. Check it out. Get that regular version. Get that deluxe version. I'm splurging for the deluxe, Ryan. I imagine you are too. I agree. I am definitely doing that. <laughs> no brainer. And I can't wait to sit down and play it with those guys in Tennessee. Me too. And this time, actually, like, play the game with them instead of just watching it being played by them. <laughs> hey, Adventures, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, March 23rd, we're going to be at Ruckus Cafe in Shaler from 2 o'clock to 8 o'clock. That's the next Level Up Meetup. Funke Town Convention is going to be April 26th through 28th in Knoxville, Tennessee. The price is right. It's going to be me, Teacher Ryan, Explorer Josh, King Scott. It's going to be a blast. We hope to see you there. Get on back to last week's episode. The King and I talk World Wonders next week stick around we're gonna be doing role player adventures with our good friend hungry gamer will brown ryan thanks for joining me today this is fun it's always a pleasure and thank you for inviting me to play the game <laughs> i'll see you next time buddy all right bye. thank you adventurers for joining us for this episode of the level up board game podcast we encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com that's where you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes and the Heatley Brothers. And remember, whether in hobby or in life, always do what you can to level up.